Um, if this is your first time joining us in the last three weeks, this is a little three-week mini-series. This is part three. So if you haven't been here for part one, part two, uh, you're jumping in at part three. And I've uh, been looking through scripture and a lot of inspiration that looks at scripture from this book called uh, Spirit Walk, which I know some of you have started reading or sharing uh, by Steve Smith. So I've been looking at Spirit Walk, and it's been just super helpful um, to just look in my own personal life, but also feel like the Lord just wants us to grow in that. But what does it look like to keep in step with this spirit? Now, if you do read this book, Stephen Smith's book, he'll mention uh, an acronym called SWAP in the book, S-W-A-P. Um, and once again, it's just a helpful outline with anything. There's so many acronyms, right, in the Christian realm. You ever notice that? <laughs> You're reading a lot of stuff. Are you, are you doing the ACTS today? Uh, are you doing the SWAP? You know, it's, I'm trying to do something. I just don't know what it stands for. Well, it's, it's a tool uh, to help us hopefully grow in our walk with the Lord, and this specifically in looking to grow and being led by the Spirit. So I just wanted to go really quick over the four that were mentioned in the book. I think we'll have a slide that comes up for this too. Awesome, man. Digital mission. Thank you so much. Uh, so SWAP stands for, S-W-A-P, surrender to his will, God's will, or the Spirit's will specifically, and his every word. Wait on God in prayer. Last week, we were focusing on that surrender, and then we had an opportunity to wait uh, at the end of the service. Uh, and then A is avoid sin and let God root out all unrighteousness. And then P is pursue the promptings of the Spirit. Now, something Steve Smith mentions in his book, which I think is just helpful, is the first three, surrender, wait, avoid. It's not like uh, sequential. You have to do one, and you have to do two, then you have to do three. All those three all really happen at the same time. When you're surrendering to God and you're in a place of waiting, and allowing God to work in your life, he's so good. He'll point out things like a good surgeon, spiritually speaking, and be like, hey, here's some things that go online, and those are great things just to repent and confess. Does that make sense? So it's not like you have to be like, you could be avoiding sin, and then you wait, then you surrender. They just, they all can go together. But the last one, P, as we're in a place of wanting to be in a place of not my will, but your will be done, after waiting on God in prayer, we're not fast drive through in our time in prayer, we're waiting on the God in prayer. God's working out stuff in our life that doesn't align with him because he has something better for us, it really allows us to be more available to potentially hear and respond to the promptings of God, or specifically his spirit. And so we're going to look at that specifically today, is pursuing the promptings of the spirit as we're wrapping up part three of the spirit walk. Now, when I was mentioning this last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit, especially even in Christian realms, usually it's like, man, love God the Father, uh, love God Jesus, you know, God the Son Jesus, God the Spirit, like, see them biblically, but then I just find there's usually a lot of misunderstanding, misassumptions, uh, just kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that, and I think sometimes there's just extremes that happen, and you'll see that even within Christian communities, surprise, surprise, we can do extremes, who would have thought, right, we're people, right, it's so easy to do that, um, but sometimes, and there's whole denominations that kind of, uh, I'm not going to name them, that's not helpful, but sometimes the denominations that kind of like camp on one of these extremes. Uh, one is the idea of, like, I'm just going to be spirit-led in everything, everything I do, led by the spirit. There's no need to really align with God's word because I got the spirit of God. And this is probably one of the major pushbacks I'll get from my friends who are like, man, I want to base my life on God's word, right? Do we want our life based on God's word? Amen, right? So then you get the other side. Well, it's like I've seen some weird stuff, and I, I, I've been in, like, different churches. I've seen some weird stuff too, okay? Scared what supposedly done in the name of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, there's no way that was the Holy Spirit. Maybe another spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so you can kind of get the pushback. You're like, ah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to kind of like push away and, and just keep that. And you're just going to throw out the whole thing. I'm just going to land on the Bible, right? 
And it's easy sometimes to potentially be like, man, I want the Bible. I want God's word. I want to live by it. I don't want to just pick what pieces of the Bible apply to my life. I want the Bible inform my life. That's beautiful, right? But when it comes to the spirit stuff, I just don't want that. So you can get one that's like Bible only, and there's churches and denominations that are so strong in the word of God, which is amazing. That's actually really good. Then you get some other churches and denominations that are really strong and want to be led by the spirit. And some of it's actually just really legit, awesome stuff. But maybe sometimes it's like, but you could use an anchor. And in Scripture, it becomes really clear that we want both, amen? We want to be deep in the Word of God, God's Word and God's Scripture, letting God work in us. But we also want to be led by the Spirit. This idea of surrendering to His will and to His every word, and that every word you'll see is in Scripture. And something I just want to share, as I know we come from all different places, and maybe some of you are just exploring you know, more about Jesus. We're so glad that you're here. I hope uh, this is helpful and encouraging. But I just want to give uh, an encouragement that we want to do both of these together. It's not just one or the other. And uh, we don't want to just throw out the Bible or we want to just throw out the Spirit. We want both of that. It's kind of like, like a plane. You have two wings. We want to soar, right? <laughs> I don't know about you. I want to soar. Uh, recently, as an example, uh, I was in Maine a couple weeks ago, and uh, my dad uh, had gotten me a kite. I haven't flown a kite in, like, forever. And I'm on the beach, and I think he was just trying to, like, you know, punish me. So he gave me a kite. I didn't realize it because uh, there was, like, no wind. <laughs> like, oh, the timing of the gift. No, he was just doing it for fun. I love my dad. And so he gave me this kite, and then my brother got a kite, and so his wife, Katie, she was playing with the kite. I had a kite. It was a really long kite. And so uh, uh, there's something beautiful when you watch videos of people running on the beach. It looks so easy until um, you actually go do it. So anyways, I'm out of shape, so I'm trying to run on the beach with the kite, and there's very little wind to not much at all. And my sister-in-law, Katie, she's a runner, so she's, like, in shape. She can go, she can go the distance. And so we're just going, like, um, you know, both together, and it, it's beautiful. She's just running and making it look so nice. I'm like, <gasps> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure we just started walking. And so we just keep going, but we're working so hard to get these kites in the air. But as you probably know, because maybe some of you have more experience with flying kites, wind is really helpful, right? Super helpful. And I was like, it just wasn't happening. So I literally ran down a large part of the portion and did, like, the walk of shame back because everyone's looking at, like, what did Dad just do? Like, that was an interesting, like, pace, and looks like he's about to fall over. So then I thought, I'll do it again. So then I run again, you know? And I'm just feeling so tuckered out. And I was working so hard. I just got this picture as I was thinking about the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I know illustration's perfect, so you'll find loopholes in this, I'm sure. But I had this picture of the Word of God anchoring us like right like the string right and when the spirit of god's moving like wind is so in scripture all we got to do is position ourselves to where god's moving we can't make the wind happen but if we're just kind of doing all the right things with scripture but doing it all in our own strength it just reminds me of this picture of me just dragging a kite on the ground i'm working so hard doing the right thing with the right tools with no power ever feel like that in life Right, I just thought, I'm like, man, that just, maybe it just speaks to me this morning, but I was just like, wow. And there's something when the wind, and I have flown kites before where the wind has come. I tell you what, it just goes up and up and up. I never try to figure out how can I ask the wind to position to me. I always position myself to the wind. Amen? And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we just want to position ourselves, surrender, wait, wherever God's working, in whatever way he's working, in a moment, in a day, in a season, Lord, I just want to be with you. And so together, if you cut the string on a kite, even though it seems exciting, the kite will crash. The, the word of God anchors it. And I just want to encourage you, 
what the Spirit of God leads us to do will never contradict the Word of God. Amen? So there's like a peace there. So if you're getting like you're talking with friends or saying something about like God led me to do that, you're like, I really don't think that lines up with Scripture. Or maybe it's opposite of Scripture. Uh, God led me to like, you know, cheat all my clients out of their money. Uh, I think that might have been you leading yourself, right? <laughs> to cheat everyone out. Because that, that doesn't align with Scripture. God's not saying we, we should be people with honesty and, and integrity. That does not align. So it's a good to be like, if you feel like you're being led, is that really the voice of God? Because sometimes we just hear our own voices. Sometimes we hear the voices of the enemy that encourages us to be doing what's wrong. Just like Adam and Eve, when you have Satan just tempting, there's a voice that's encouraging Eve and Adam not to obey God's scripture. So I wanted to start with that as we're talking about living by the Spirit or being led by the Spirit. I want to look specifically at Jesus as the primary example in the Matthew in Matthew chapter 3 and then 4. So we'll have the scriptures here up on the screen. I want to start with Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17, and then we'll jump into Matthew 4. So we'll start at Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. Oh, and I want to make mention, last week I used a ton of different scriptures on the Holy Spirit. Um, if you are wanting some more resources to go deeper in the week, they're out on the table in the lobby. Check those out. This is Matthew 3, 13 to 17. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan uh, to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending, not a dove, but like a dove, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well and as we're having a baptism today, which is so exciting with Jennifer, uh, we're having an opportunity, literally, to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Which is so cool when you're thinking, like, oh, Jesus was baptized, and he tells us to go out in the world and be baptized. It's really, really cool. And this seems like a good place for me to stop talking and actually invite up Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, would you mind coming on up and just sharing with us a little bit about, we're talking about baptism. It works in the sermon. Can you give a hand for Jennifer? She's coming on up. So Jennifer's favorite thing to do is public speaking, and she's like, I want to be up here the whole sermon. So the rest of it's you. Oh, maybe that wasn't right. I'm so glad you came and that you're able to be here. But I just asked Jennifer, you to share a little bit about yourself and then, you know, the difference Jesus has made in your life. I'm sorry for coming to church. Um, so good morning, everyone. My name is Jennifer Gonzalo. I am a graduate student at Clarkson University. I'm in the Department of Chemical Engineering, and I'm from Nigeria. And this morning, I just want to briefly share my baptism story. Um, so I've, I was born into a Christian family, so I've been a Christian all my, well, technically been a Christian all my life. I always went to church. I always read the Bible, but I always did those things because I had to do them. My mom was a Christian, and she was very strict. So you had to go to church on Sunday. You had to go to church during the week. You had to read your Bible. You had to pray every morning. But I didn't actually have, like, a personal relationship with God. I didn't know who God was. To me personally and it wasn't until I went into the university where I didn't have to do all of these things anymore I didn't have to go to church if I didn't want to so I stopped for a while I went to church on Sundays because it was routine like what else will I do on a Sunday morning but <laughs> if I didn't want to I didn't have to go I stopped going to church during the week I didn't really read my Bible anymore I didn't do any of those things anymore and then in my second year in the university I 
got to a point where I was like, something has to change. Because growing up, I struggled a lot with acceptance and rejection. I struggled a lot with feeling accepted, with feeling loved, even within my family. Not because they didn't love me, but I didn't love myself, and I didn't think I was good enough to be accepted by anybody. So I projected that out to like everyone around me. And so I struggled a lot with depression throughout my childhood to my early adulthood. And at some point, I was like, something has to change. And I was like, okay, why don't I actually like try this for real? Why don't I try knowing Jesus for real? Like everyone says it's so great, so let me try it. So in my second year in the university, I started going to church because I wanted to, I started reading my Bible to like know God for myself. And I actually started having like a personal relationship with Jesus and I gave my life to Christ. And that has been like the best decision of my life so far. Because, <laughs> thank you. Because knowing God, one of the biggest things Jesus Christ did for me and he has done a lot is I think the gift of companionship. Times where I would feel alone and down and like I couldn't talk to anybody. I was able to talk to God and like instantly feel better. My situation didn't change, but just having someone to like talk to constantly, it made me feel better about myself. He didn't, I don't know how to put it, but like I didn't have to change. I didn't have to become a better person for me to feel loved by Jesus Christ. I didn't have to start going to church regularly or just like generally become a better person. He loved me where I was. He came down to my level and like loved me and fellowshiped with me where I was. And because Jesus showed me so much love, I was able to start loving myself and start accepting myself for who I am at like every stage of my life. And now I'm able to like show up in the world. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it, but I'm able to show up in the world and because I received so much love from Jesus, I'm able to love others and accept other people, whoever they are. And I'm also able to receive that love from other people. I now feel worthy enough to like accept people's love and be accepted by people. And it's helped me in my relationships. I'm closer now to my family than I was when I was actually living with them. Like, I'm closer now to people, with friends. I have genuine relationships with people. And I think it's because of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm very excited to be taking the next step in my faith journey by getting baptized and like publicly committing myself to Jesus Christ through the symbolism of like dying to the world and getting resurrected in Christ. Thank you. That's amazing. One second. That's amazing. Thank you, Jennifer. Your testimony is incredibly powerful. I know I can relate to pieces of that. I'm sure others here. Um, I just so appreciate you being so transparent uh, with your struggles, but also Jesus meeting you right there. Do you mind if I pray for you? All right, awesome. I'm going to take a moment to pray, and you've been praying along with me. God, I thank you so much for Jennifer, and God, we celebrate the new life. God, thank you so much that you don't leave us alone, but you love us, as Jennifer says, right where we're at, having something a whole lot better for us. And God, I just pray that you bless her today. She's stepping out in obedience and baptism. Uh, Lord, we just read the scripture of the Holy Spirit coming down in a special way on you as you're being baptized. I pray that for Jennifer. Holy Spirit come in a special way. Bless her today, God, and we just celebrate what you are doing and what you will be doing in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Shannon. First, give her another hand. That was, that was amazing.
And that was the perfect time, Jennifer. It's funny. There was, there was one part of me that's like, let's talk about this in the hosting part. And there's another part I'm like, oh, we're talking about baptism. Let's just talk about it right during the sermon. So perfect timing, Jennifer. Not too late. Right on time. Uh, so going back to the message, uh, we're just talking about Jesus uh, being baptized, the Spirit coming on him, filling him, and it's pretty exciting. And then in Matthew 4, we're going to go there in a second. It's interesting because then the Spirit leads Jesus. He's led by the Spirit right away from there. And I don't know, when I was younger, I would think, man, when you follow Jesus, like everything's just going to become real easy, right? <laughs> Ever feel, I don't know. Yeah, the older people are like, hey, 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 little does he know, right? I didn't know. I just figured you follow Jesus and life just gets better, easier, you know, whatever. Not like the whole prosperity crazy thing, but just kind of like, man, just all the challenges will just fade away, I guess, you know? But as we know, uh, the Lord likes to grow us through challenges, amen, and difficulties. And so it's interesting that the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus in a special way, and then the Spirit immediately leads him not to some cool palace where he just spent the rest of his days hanging out, not even a nice food buffet by the Sea of Galilee, you know, with fish for everyone. Actually, if you look at Matthew 4, verse 1, let's look at it. It says, then Jesus was led up by the, who, who leads him? The Spirit. Come on, Spirit, where are you going to lead Jesus? It's going to be awesome, right? It says, into the wilderness. This is immediately. <laughs> so this isn't Jesus just thinking like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do whatever. He's literally led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Hold on, right? <laughs> That's really, like, challenges right off the bat? Yeah, that's exactly what happened for Jesus. And here's the context. Let's read more in verse 2. It says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement, right? 40 days. I never fasted that long. I can't imagine what it would be like 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. And in verse 3, and the tempter, the devil, came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to, the, to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. It doesn't sound so bad what you're getting, but you'd be giving up something very important, right? But then verse 10, it says, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. There's a lot I can unpack in this one passage, but I want to look at two larger themes. One, the Spirit of God came upon Jesus in a specific way, but two, he was led by the Spirit. So it wasn't just like, oh, cool, the Spirit's come upon me, you know, and if you're a Christ, uh, Christ follower, Christ is in you. In Ephesians, I mentioned this last two weeks, the Holy Spirit's the one that guarantees our inheritance, our salvation. Praise the Lord. But it wasn't just kind of like, hey, I'm just going to stay there and now just do the rest of my life my own way. Jesus clearly, right off the bat, was led by the Spirit. But it's beautiful in this passage because you see Jesus, who obviously is the perfect example. None of us can come anywhere close to Jesus. But he's following the Spirit, but he also is deeply rooted in the Word of God, specifically the Old Testament. Because as we see that 
the devil tempt him over and over again, Jesus continues not to come out of experience or saying some other idea of something new. He actually is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament to refute the enemy with Scripture time and time again. Isn't that awesome? So you see both the Spirit of God leading Jesus in this moment to something that actually wasn't easy. He was actually going to something hard. But then you also see that the Word of God wasn't like thrown away, even though Jesus obviously is the Word of God. But he was using literally Old Testament Deuteronomy to refute Scripture. I was thinking, wow, what a great example, Jesus, once again, of being led by the Spirit, but also being in the Word of God. Something to mention here, it is so important, as we say, being led by the Spirit, to know the Word of God. Because the best way to hear from God is through God's Word. Amen? So one thing is to be like, man, we want to be led by the Spirit. But if you want to know what the Spirit might say, read the Word of God. Right, which was written through the power of the Holy Spirit through authors over a long period of time. Uh, there's many inspirations in this church body of those who love Scripture and memorize it, but the one that comes to mind right now is actually Danny Farnsworth. Danny, you love Scripture. If you get to hang out with Danny at all, he's often quizzing me on all these Scriptures from it's like Psalm 119.35. I don't know, Danny. Google does. I'll look it up, you know. He's, but he's got it locked in. He's got it memorized. He's got it deep within the heart. Uh, one of the other pastors and I got the opportunity, uh, Aaron and I get to visit Danny in the nursing home in Messina. And Danny, I think we went 45 minutes straight. You're just talking scripture the whole time. Bible verse, God's word, scripture. How can I share it with another uh, person who's living at the nursing home or the staff, writing illustrations, all scripture everywhere. We want to be led by the spirit. And we know the spirit doesn't contradict the word of God. It's so important that we know and memorize God's word. Amen? We don't see, I know it's Jesus, so you could be like, okay, he knows everything. I get that. But Jesus isn't walking around with a scroll. Obviously, he would know everything. He was ready. He had these verses on the go. Tempted, fasting, 40 days, temptation from the enemy, taking thought, every, every, every thought captive, and refuting it with the word of God. So as I'm going to give other examples about being led by the spirit, I just want to give a really strong foundation. We want to go deep in the word of God. Because how else can we know, Lord, is this something you want me to do if we don't know God's word? Because God give, God's word gives us the, uh, all we need for following after him, but the Holy Spirit can activate different scriptures that we memorize, different things that we've known to apply it in an immediate situation. I want to give some other examples and scriptures of those who are just being led by the spirit of God. Old Testament, here's one example, Psalm 143.10. This, the psalmist says this, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons, children of God. So if you're a child of God, be led by the spirit. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. I looked at that two weeks ago in Galatians 5. Uh, you can look up these more if you want for larger context, but Mark 1.12, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. This is the gospel of Mark's account of what we just read about Jesus. And the wording on that is immediately interesting because I just read he was led by the Spirit. But uh, in this translation, it's the Spirit immediately drove him out. Um, like It was like kind of like it's quick. It wasn't like a, a long delay or I'll think about maybe the Spirit said. like It was, it was a quick uh, response to what the Spirit was leading him. Drove him out into the wilderness. This is Jesus. Acts 8.21, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And if you know this story, Philip was literally being led to a certain place and then to another certain place and then to a certain person. And, like, honestly, just the 
encourage us or baffle our mind. There's no strategy. We were, we were praying about this this morning. There's no strategy for this, right? It was a living relationship, a living relationship with the creator of the universe, the spirit of God, and he was just being obedient to the next thing the spirit was leading him. Are you with me? So I want to go to a road, then go to a wilderness, and then go to a chariot. And the Ethiopian eunuch, he had the opportunity to look at scripture. Once again, you see the spirit and scripture all together, looking at scriptures on the Old Testament, going through it all. Eventually, the guy wants to come to Jesus, and he's like, hey, is there anything preventing me from being baptized? And literally, he got to get baptized all in one day. It's amazing. Check it out if you want. Acts chapter 8. Uh, let's go down. Acts 10, 19 to 20. And while Peter was pondering the vision, that the, uh, I'll just say that the Lord gave him, the Spirit said to him, so the Spirit can talk, <laughs> Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Once again, being led by and also giving specific instructions that Peter went and immediately obeyed. And then uh, Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, once again, the Holy Spirit speaking, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And that was the time they're looking for some leadership direction, spending time of worship and fasting and waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. It's pretty cool what the Holy Spirit does, right? I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know how, how we could do life without the Holy Spirit. Um, it's like dragging a kite on the beach. It's like, man, other people seem to be flying. They have the same kite, but they're soaring. I'm dragging my kite on the beach. There's a difference that the Holy Spirit makes in direction, empowerment, guidance, correction, and teaching, and a whole lot more. So a couple of personal examples I wanted to share about just being led by the Spirit. Many of you know this story, because um, it's how I got here. But I was talking to a pastor recently, and I think in a church in Rochester this past week, and he's like, how did you end up in Potsdam, you know? He's like, are you from Potsdam? I'm like, no, I'm not from Potsdam. Connecticut, New Hampshire, not Potsdam. He's like, how did you end up there? And once again, many of you have heard this story, but if you haven't, here you go. Uh, but literally... What happened was I was working at a mall in New Hampshire in uh, Salem, right above Massachusetts, very close to the border. And I was going in these back corridors of the mall, dreary lighting, really sketchy. It's the back of sheetrock. It's like if something bad was going to go down, it would be in that hallway, which is a fast way in, but could be a fast way to go meet Jesus. So anyways, I was going through that <laughs> and going in. And then the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, just like we saw some examples of this. Holy Spirit speaking to Peter, then we saw the Holy Spirit speaking to those who were worshiping and fasting, very specific instructions. I felt like the Lord was saying almost an audible voice. When God has led me to do different things, I don't actually hear a voice. It's like a prompting, maybe you could say whisper as well, different ways people try to articulate a supernatural uh, kind of invitation prompting. But I felt like the Lord said through the Spirit, uh, call John Alt about doing an internship um, at, in Potsdam. Essentially, that was it. It was very short, but it was very specific, but so much so that after I finished my eight-hour shift, I came home, and my mom was like, hey, guess what? Someone emailed me today about you. And I'm like, let me guess. John all offered me an internship. She's like, yeah. She's like, how did you know? I'm like, oh, the Spirit of God just told me that. While I was in New Hampshire, God spoke to John all the way up here in Potsdam, and that's how we connected. Isn't that awesome? So people are like, wait, you, you've been up here all this time doing what you're doing based on one word from God? Yeah. I gave up my job. Gave up the church I was at in Massachusetts. My family was there. I uh, gave up everything I had because the prompting of the Holy Spirit was leading me somewhere new. God's word whew, with God's spirit. It's exciting. Kind of scary, too, because I didn't know anybody yet. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they'll like me. Maybe they won't. And I think you felt the same way because it was a year internship that was cut down to six months just in case we didn't get along. 
Maybe you don't know that. <laughs> but we did get along. Uh, love being with you. Uh, one time I was in a gas station in New Hampshire, and uh, Crystal and I were dating at the time. And I did something that hurt her. I didn't realize that. Uh, but I was just pumping. Like, it's literally just like, I'm just trying to share the, the context because it was not in like a stage at the steps inside a church building. Are you with me? Sometimes we can get so stuck on a certain location. God's only going to speak to me at this one emotional concert moment in this church, whatever. These are all just like life things. So I was at a gas station. Um, and at that time, it wasn't scary to fill up gas. You could afford it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so I was just doing that. I was thankful. I can get gas. No big deal. But I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He's like, you need to go apologize to Crystal. The thing is, I did not think I did anything wrong. I, you know you do sometimes, and sometimes you hurt something, but you really don't know you actually hurt them. But she's like, you need to go ask for forgiveness. So then I went home. Little did I know that Crystal had been praying that morning that God would convict my heart to respond. Is that pretty cool? So then I just wanted to be obedient, like Peter or Barnabas or Saul or Philip. I mean, there's all these examples. I wanted to be obedient, so I went back, and I'm like, hey, I don't know if I hurt you or not, but I feel like the Lord wants me to ask you for forgiveness. She's like, no, you did hurt me. And I was praying about that. Isn't that awesome? I'm just showing some practical examples because you read it and like, can it actually happen? Yeah, it can happen today. It's awesome. I remember once I was walking around Manhattan with a team doing uh, feeding uh, some people that needed food in the park. I just walking by this lady, and I felt like the Lord's like, I want you to go over and talk to her. I didn't know her. So I'm like, well, I don't know what to say. And God's like, I'll just give you what you need to say when you need it. God, isn't that scary? Give it to me ahead of time, right? And then I might obey. So I just went over there. I'm like, Hello. <laughs> I don't have, that's all, I had an opening line. God's like, three things. Tell her that I love her. So I said, God loves you. I said, I have three things I want to share. She's like, God wants me to tell you this. I don't know this person. God loves you. He knows your pain that you're going through right now. And then he has a wonderful plan for your life. That was it. And then the Lord led me on. It's just moments I want to give, like one example is a huge life transition. Another one was asking forgiveness from my spouse. Another one was literally being able to minister to someone I never would have ever talked to because we were at like a ministry bus. So obviously, only ministry we're going to do is out of the bus. But God's like, I want you to leave that and go over to this lady in the park because I have something specific I want to use you for. Be able to tell her something from me. The last one I'll just give, I'll just give you some examples real quick. But this past week, I was over at Dronabi's. It's on Fall Island. And I was just in the back. I don't know. What's the name of the park behind the, the Fall Island Park? Is that it? Sure. Yeah. Fall Island Park. You guys know where it is. It's beautiful. I think they're going to make a skateboard park or something down there. But I was there, and I was talking to someone. Actually, I was re, uh, studying this book with a brother in Syracuse who's uh, from a Baptist tradition. And he's like, I really feel like God wants me to walk in the spirit. So we've just been doing this every week, uh, two chapters. It's been beautiful. Anyways, after that, uh, there was a guy eating lunch. I uh, worked at Ace. And... Uh, I was just like really hungry, so I wanted to get on my little electric scooter and scoot back home, literally. And God's like, I want you to go over to that guy and see if you can pray for him. I'm like, ah, I'm really hungry, but I'm learning. God wants me to do something. I just want to be obedient, amen, to what he wants. I'm like, ah. but I know that prayer, as I grow older, is actually based in the Bible. <laughs> so I don't have to question, is it biblical? Pray for someone, offer prayer to someone. Is that biblical? Yes, it's quite biblical. You see that through everywhere, like everywhere in Scripture. So I go over to this guy. Hey, I'm just in the park thanking God for this beautiful day. Anyway, I could be praying for you. And instantly, he just starts opening up. He just says, yes. He's like, can you pray for my grandmother? She's quite sick. I'm like, you sound like you're very close to her. He's like, I'm really close. He's a younger guy. And I'm like, can I pray for your grandmother right now? And he said, yes. So I'm literally praying for this guy and his grandmother. He just had a couple mini strokes. And obviously, he was grieving his heart. 
and I got to be used by God. And it has nothing to do with me. Don't be like, oh, this is Jim, whatever. No, it's all about just glorifying the God. But he led me to this person to be able to minister to them, to be able to pray for them. And it's an opportunity that was not on my Google calendar. Are you with me? A lot of stuff, as my buddy in uh, Syracuse, he's, he's trying to walk in this more spirit walk. He's just, uh, he's been calling up a lot of pastors all throughout northern New York, asking them, what does it look like to be led by the spirit? And so I asked my buddy, I'm like, hey, what are some of like the general things you're learning? Because that seems kind of a cool question to ask. He's super humble and he's just learning a lot. And, uh, and I asked him, he's like, the main thing I've seen is a lot of the things that God leads people to do are divine interruptions, is how he categorized it. Divine interruptions. Does that make sense? Things you did not have on your schedule, people you were not planning to interact with, just like Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch on the chariot. Like, that wasn't on his game plan, but it was on the heart of God. And so it was divine interruptions. I like the way he said that. I was like, Lord, would I be open to divine interruptions in my life that more people would see you, get to encounter you, and you would receive more glory? Jesus said right before he went up to uh, be in heaven, in Matthew 28, this is what he encouraged his disciples to be all about. I'm going to invite up the uh, musicians at this time, too. But in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, many of us know this. It's the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pause. And that's exactly what we'll be doing with Jennifer today, is baptizing her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And just to pull from Jennifer's story as she was sharing, I love how you mentioned, Jennifer, about the companionship of knowing Jesus. like how you worded that. But that the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is leaving, and I mentioned this the last two weeks, he didn't leave us like orphans. He's like, it's better that I leave so I can send the Holy Spirit. Right? The comforter, the paraclete, the one that comes along, or you could use the word companion that's with you at all times, that will never leave you, that will never forsake you, that's literally within you, that even in the middle of the night when you're like, there's no one else around or maybe awake or someone near you to call or text, as Jennifer is saying, you can talk to God, amen? Because the Holy Spirit's with you and within you, and just like Jesus is promising, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. But the thing is, Jesus is not on the planet. It says he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us 24-7. So Jesus is praying for us literally all the time. Isn't that awesome? But how's he going to be with us then? Who's he going to leave then? If he's going, he's like, I'm going to be with you always, and you're going to send to heaven. I'm like, that's confusing. Choose where you're going to go. Either say you're leaving and you abandoned us, or stay here and be with us. He's like, I'm going to go to the Father. <laughs> I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you. And the Holy Spirit has this very specific purpose. Uh, I was going to use this in my benediction, but I'll just use it earlier. In Acts 1-8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So there's something that the Holy Spirit brings. The Holy Spirit's in our life. It receives power. But for what? There's a purpose. It's actually to be witnesses. And it says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. This is where they were at the moment. In Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The idea of the Holy Spirit coming, it's not just like something that, oh, cool, I got some, you know, something for me, or I have power to do something I want to do. It's so that we can be witnesses, amen? All over the place. Whether you're in Potsdam or if you're visiting, uh, you know, over in Canton or maybe you're from a different state or a different country, wherever you are, and going back to the Great Commission, I love how John always says this, um, this idea of when you go and make disciples, John would also say it's kind of like while you're going, 
while you're doing life, right, John? While you're just going around through life, wherever you are, if you're on vacation, be on vacation for the glory of God. If you're at work, be at work for the glory of God. If you're walking through a supermarket or going through a hardware store, if, uh, if your car breaks down on the side of the road, wherever you're going, make disciples, amen? amen. And, and it's an opportunity to be like, Lord, and that's the case, and it's really like my life is really all about you then. And if I'm surrendering my life, I'm not surrendering to you for about 60 to 90 minutes during a service on a Sunday. Lord, you want all of it. And I'm going to give an opportunity. We did this last Sunday. I'm going to step down here. Um, if you want to participate, you can. And if you participated last week, feel free to do it again. We have a little cross right here. And uh, I want us to have a place, as we're having this last song, we're going to be singing the blessing. It's a beautiful song. I have a place of, is there anything in your life that you realize, maybe it's some sin thing, you realize, I'm, I'm in some, I'm trapped. I feel bad about something, I'm in sin. It does not align with God's word. I realize I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And you want to surrender to that. I encourage you, there's these little pieces of paper in every single row, and they have a little slip that says, I surrender. You can just write it on there. Or maybe there's something good in your life that's not a bad thing, but it's taking the first spot of Jesus, right? We're seeking God third or maybe fourth, but these other good things are getting first. But you realize, Lord, I want to surrender that to you. Or maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. You're like, I just need to surrender my entire life. I'm not even trying to struggle. Like, I'm doing my whole life for me. But, Lord, I want to surrender my life and experience a new life of Jesus Christ. You can have that relationship start today. So once again, if you're here last week, you can be part of this again if you like. I know for me, there's always new things to surrender every day. Amen. None of us are perfect. Uh, but for those who weren't last week, if you want to participate, you can write something on the piece of paper. You don't need to put your name on it, but there's a nail right here, and then there's a nail right over here. You'll see there's a ton of papers from last week. You just come up during the song anytime and just put the paper here and just leave it at the cross. Obviously, you can surrender to God right from your chair. You do not have to get up from your chair. We are not at all locking it into this moment. But sometimes there's a cool symbolism of when we step out. Let's just take pride, for example. I'm sure all of us struggle with that at some level. Let's say I broke pride on my I surrender. I could put that right up here and during the week and be like, you know what? This pride wants to take the day and I don't live for Jesus. God, I want to keep that on the cross. You know, you got that visual. Are you with me this morning? So you don't have to come out of your seat at all. You can just talk to God right now. But if it's helpful for you, feel free to write something down something beautiful about just leaving at the cross symbolically here from the heart in a way that would honor God. So I'm just going to pray for us. We're going to sing this song. If you feel led, feel free to do that um, before we have our benediction after the song. God, I thank you, Lord, that you love us. God, I thank you that you got the best plans for us. God, if we're letting go of sin and other stuff, Lord, it's because you got something better. And God, if we have to repent of this stuff that's good, that's taking the place of you, God, it's because you're better. Uh, so, God, I pray that you would just move and have your way as we're taking a moment to slow down, to surrender, to wait. God, we just pray that you would fill this time. Do what you want to do in our lives, God, in this moment and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.